Hi, this is Tom Compton. You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events. Ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's WHTT Speaks Out, we're going to talk about a vigil. This is an unusual vigil for We Hold These Truths in that it's going to be held at a synagogue in San Francisco. And thanks to Craig Hansen for finding this out, this actually is a Kufi Christians United for Israel event. And they have been, of course, reaching out to black churches and Hispanic churches in addition to the normal run-of-the-mill Christian Zionist-type churches. And this event is called Standing with Israel. And I'm reading from the Kufi site, Christian Zionist, who they are and who they are not, an examination of how and why millions of Christians support the Jewish state while others oppose it. And the speaker is going to be Randall Neil, who is their Western Regional Coordinator for KUFI. And we've run into Mr. Neil at several events, and Craig we've described in a couple podcasts at least some time back. He actually went in and experienced one of their presentations. And as we mentioned, they even talked about us. So they're, they're concerned about the opposition that it is growing, and again, the first time that we know of that they've actually gone to a synagogue, it probably isn't the first, but it is significant, and as we do, Chuck writes a letter to the pastor, in this case the rabbi at Congregation Ner Tamid, which is in San Francisco, and so we want to talk about this because Chuck is taken a little different tact as far as uh, how do you talk to a rabbi as opposed to a Christian minister. And so he's actually framed it uh, from the viewpoint held and expressed publicly by John Hagee about Israel and the end times. And, of course, his theology is such that he needs a physical Israel for the end times to happen. And again, not all Christians believe this. And Chuck, why don't you give us a little synopsis of uh, what you said to Rabbi Moshe Levin? Sure. Well, of course, no two Christian Zionists tell exactly the same story. There's always a little bend in it. It's because it's so complicated and so complex. And there are literally hundreds of Bible verses tossed into the, the mixture So every time a Christian Zionist tells you about the end times, battle of Armageddon, the rapture, and then the ensuing horrible events that are supposed to come after that, it comes off a little bit different simply because human memory isn't perfect. And and so all these guys are, are very much different. But pretty much they have in common that the events that lead up to the Battle of Armageddon and uh, the end of the world, which John Hagee believes in, those events of war invariably involve what to do about the living Jews. Because in, in, the, uh, in the battle or in the, uh, in the story, before 
There is a battle before there's any bloodshed. There's a wonderful event that takes place, and John Hagee will be raptured away, all 320 pounds of him, according to his beliefs, and all of his congregation who really support and love Israel and, of course, say they follow Jesus, will all disappear into the clouds, and they're perched up there somewhere to watch these horrible events that go on. And uh, left behind, of course, are all of the Jews, because by definition, they haven't accepted Jesus and uh, so there's no answer for them except to struggle it out with the remaining heathens left on earth. So we tried to point this out to the rabbi that he's a victim in all this, and we asked him why he would bring John Hagee and his crew in to tell this kind of story to his nice Jewish congregation. And uh, we asked him if he would kindly cancel this event before he does damage. And if he doesn't, then he can look for our friend Craig to be there, and uh, certainly some of the rest of us will be there to uh, greet and meet, meet him and discuss these things with him. This is sort of the tact we took, and in our and if you go and read the uh, letter, we we quote the silliest things we can find in in the uh, Rapture doctrine. One of them was a pastor. He's an Assembly of God pastor who I happen to know who thinks the Russians are raising horses so that they can have horseback uh, sufficient to carry them to all the way to. Israel for the Battle of Armageddon. Anyway, we talked about this point, which is often made by Christian Zionists, uh, and they actually believe literally that there's a line in the Bible in the 14th chapter of Revelations that said that the battle is going to be so fierce that the blood will run in the Valley of Armageddon, Valley of Megiddo, uh, all the way up to the reins of the horses for 200 furlongs, whichever is however six miles or whatever that is anyway this is uh, the nature of the battle that uh, this uh, rabbi is uh, is being uh, being set for so that's uh, that's the nature of the letter that we sent to him and we we don't know what he'll say or if he'll even read it but that's what our letter says any questions well it's interesting we all know that vladimir putin is an excellent horseman so oh, yes. this, this uh, well, pastor was but kind of linking that maybe that Putin will actually be leading the charge. Right, we, we should remind him of that. He may have overlooked that uh, <laughs> fact that Vladimir Putin is a, yeah, was an accomplished rider. But he believes that they don't have enough horses and they have to breed up a big, uh, a big camp of horses for, for this. Well, this is only one of the really foolish things that Christians start believing when they start following uh, this fantasy of Zionism, and we always have our problems in how to approach it, and of course spoofing it is one way, and we've all found out that the way not to do it is to try to argue scripture with them, because if they've been doing this for seven or eight or ten years, or in Hagee's place, 30 years, he's got an unlimited uh, vocabulary of memorized scripture, each of which seems to support some part of his view. And all of which is meaningless, of course, because he takes it from different places and different times and different speakers and spins it all together in, into a into a big yarn. But this is basically the way dispensationalism works. It works by grabbing bits and pieces from here and there and plugging them in together and then putting glue on them and making it all sound like it's uh, all neatly fit together by God himself. Well, and, and uh, the interesting thing, speaking of end times, there's another movie coming out, uh, Left Behind. They were popular about the books, sold millions. Tim LaHaye, 
six books, were there not? I, I think so, yes. As someone told me, they thought of them as chewing gum for the mind. And, of course, the Christians that believe this actually uh, are anticipating this upcoming movie, which I found kind of interesting, and they're even having a major star. Yeah, Nicholas Cage Nicholas is going to be in Oh, my God. Oh, okay. Oh. They had really no names on the, on the earlier ones. I started to watch one, but I my stomach got queasy, and I, I left it very shortly after it started. <laughs> but this tells a very story that we, we told to the rabbi that, uh, of course, uh, all of the Jews have to be left behind, <clears throat> except the scriptures seem to provide that somewhere that 144,000 qualify uh, by virtue of being saints, such as uh, David himself and Abraham and others, the prophets and so on. But uh, the number is commonly thrown around. Uh, some places dispensationalists say the number is really not a literal number, but they say everything else is literal. So they have a hard time not sticking with 144,000 and, and the rest of the 20 or 30 or 40 million Jews, of course, uh, are left behind. It's along, sort of with, along with this rabbi, I presume. <laughs> It's sort of pick-and-choose theology. Yes. So they pick out what they want, and they, like you say, they really do believe it fervently. Actually, I got to experience this in a Sunday school class this week. They were talking about the end times, and there's kind of three major belief systems in dispensationalism. The pre-millennial, that's the millennial, the thousand-year reign, rapture, the mid uh, term rapture and the post rapture where every would not go until uh, these wars had started and so forth so the like Chuck said there's there really are varying it's kind of like a, a, a big soup mix and you don't really know exactly but they've got it down very very pat like uh, they, they've got their story and uh, they've convinced themselves that I was told at this Sunday school lesson that he didn't mention by name John Nelson Darby and then, of course, Cyrus Schofield, uh, as we studied, uh, as, as presented in our video, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and Turning, which uh, talks about Schofield and his reference Bible. And it, yeah. it's something that needs to be seen by one and all. Now, in our letter, we also make considerable point of uh, Jewish Voice for Peace that is, has supported us in vigil that, that, a vigil that we did here, and they actually picketed a big Jewish event themselves on a cold night in, in November where the, the very large Jewish organization here is scheduled to bring John Hagee into Denver to speak to this Jewish group. And uh, the Jewish Voice for Peace made exactly the same point we did. They said, hey, you can't bring these people in. This is a, supposedly a religious meeting, and you're bringing people in here who think we're all going to go burn in hell. And so why are you doing that? And eventually Hagee was canceled because of his. they felt he was incompatible with their group. So uh, they then shipped in one of Hagee's henchmen, who was, uh, who was a full-fledged Israeli, and of course qualifies as a Jew with a yarmulke and so on. And he uh, instead made the speech and Jewish Voice for Peace picketed him, too, and uh, I was there representing We Hold These Truths uh, all by myself, 
And uh, it, but it was very interesting, and we've had, built a good relationship among ourselves. And so we've uh, been able to use uh, several letters that have been written by Dr. Robert Prince, who's a very eminently qualified lecturer on international affairs at uh, Denver University, and a terrific, a terrific guy who's married to a <laughs> to a uh, Nebraska farm girl, and uh, and is uh, is just really a good pal in a way on these things. And so uh, he wrote uh, excellent letter supporting us, which is attached to the invitation. And all of this, of course, we're going to be uh, we we need to now approach Jewish Voice for Peace in San Francisco and see if we can get them to come out and uh, and return the favor in San Francisco and stand with us at this uh, synagogue. Craig, I know you have something to add to this. Well, it's a, like you said, Chuck, this is a, a new experience for us going to uh, the Jewish community. So uh, our, our regular signs, I, I don't know how well they're going to work in, in, with the Jewish audience. So that's something we can discuss, too, is what kind of uh, signs would be appropriate uh, for the, this kind of venue. Well, we've come up with a new one, uh, thanks to Chuck. Uh, it's called Innocent Blood Gaza. So it's a, it's a four by four, and uh, innocent blood. I mean, it's we support our government through our taxes, so we're all all uh, guilty to one degree or another. Innocent blood is, of course, uh, one of the biblical terms that's scattered throughout the Old Testament, and also appears in the New Testament at one time, and that's where uh, Judas Iscariot uh, realizes what he's done. And, and says, I'm, I'm guilty of innocent blood, and therefore hangs himself. Uh, that's the only time the expression innocent blood is used in the, in, in the New Testament. But it's, it, it, it appears many, many times in Hebrew scriptures. And so everybody in the synagogue, if they've ever had one day of, uh, of uh, training in their, in their own uh, books, uh, they'll know what the expression innocent blood is all about. God condemned the shedding of innocent blood. Good. You know, I've, I've never talked to a Jewish Zionist, so I, I don't know how they uh, handle the whole situation because obviously they're not they're not coming from the same uh, dispensational position as a Christian. But uh, how how do they go uh, back looking at the uh, the return to Israel? That somehow this is a fulfillment of prophecy. Do they say it yes. in the same light? Absolutely, Craig. They go right back to Genesis twelve three. Every Zionist in Israel does it. Every Jew I've ever talked to, if you say, where do you really get the idea that you should have that land? They all say the same thing. It's in the scriptures. Look in the book of Genesis 12. There it is. God gave us the land, all of it. Now, now, Chuck, can I ask a question about that? Of course. This is Glenn. Is it uh, Schofield who puts that view out first? And and is all this since Schofield that this views have come about or did it prevail before him? Uh, the answer to that is John Nelson Darby talked about that. There have been scattered people throughout history who've come up with this idea that uh, that uh, there, there had to be a return to Israel, and uh, they've appeared throughout history. Uh, actually, a prophetess who uh, was a, a 13-year-old girl told it to uh, pass the idea on to uh, John Nelson Darby, and and he was funded very richly to go to America and spread the idea. And he made eight transatlantic trips in the steamship day and before the steamship days 
So this is like the 1820s, somewhere around there or somewhere? Uh, in the 18, no, in the 1850s and 60s and 60s. on up toward the turn of the century. And he discovered John, uh, he discovered uh, Cyrus Schofield and discipled him, you might say. Okay. And uh, so the answer, uh, Glenn, is uh, the, the idea has sort of been toyed with at times in Scripture, but nobody ever got behind it with a venue until uh, Cyrus R. Schofield wrote his footnotes to the Bible, which really tell this story in the footnotes. Okay. Now, the the verse about the bride, blood up to the bridles in Megiddo, it does exist, and uh, it's pretty mm-hmm. ridiculous to think that in the days of tanks and, and uh, F-22s that, that there would actually be horses that deep. So... But what is that actually referring to? And that's another question for another time. It's just you said you have any questions. We have no idea. Uh, okay. We're not in the business of, of, of saying what every expression in the book of Revelations means. Okay. I've heard a number of interpretations of it, but we just don't get into, it, into okay. that because that would be winding our own view into it. Right. Okay. Great. And it, it's ridiculous enough the way it is, as you pointed out. Right. Without without us trying to explain it, all we have to do really is point it out and laugh at it. I do. I really do think. Okay. Great. Thanks. Uh, we could we could calculate how many horses that would take, I suppose, if we <laughs> if we wanted to go there and measure the valley. Right. <laughs> and humans, of course. And, right. Of course. And uh, and of course, uh, the, the idea here is that there's supposed to be a collection of all the armies of the world there. Mm-hmm. all collected together against little Israel, and then Jesus is the one who's actually uh, destroying them in behalf of Israel. Okay. In the imagination of uh, dispensationalists. Okay. So we hope that we have uh, anybody else. We'll have a link to Chuck's full story, the letter to the rabbi. And so we think it's important to know what uh, what Kufi is doing, what the dispensational Christian Zionists are doing. And again, it is a spectrum of belief systems, as like Chuck pointed out, that varies all over the map. So it, to an outside observer would appear very, very confusing. But Tom, the one common thread with every one of the dispensationalists, without exceptions, and many who are not quite dispensationalists, but have been fed some of this doctrine through a Bible study, such as Precept Ministries or Bible uh, BSF, Bible Study Fellowship, or over uh, the countless times that this stuff is, is spewed out over uh, these uh, networks, like Christian Broadcasting Network, the one that Pat Robertson started, and which is now owned by others. This idea is just sort of ingrained into a lot of people, and so it's accepted without any logic, reasoning, or really great or great thought and that's what makes it so difficult to overcome is it's become a religious belief uh, rather than a than a question of logic and faith and 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 um, reasonable interpretation of words all right well thanks for everybody's input and we look forward to another successful vigil Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcast. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org, for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also, at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award-winning documentary film, 
Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Join us in our efforts to wake the town and tell the people. Start small, think big, and press on towards the straight gate.